I'm Ben Thompson, owner of Thompson & Terry Recruitment. I'm Mike Foster, the entrepreneur's mentor. And you are listening to an edited version of Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben and Mike, uh, which airs every Sunday at 11am on DAB Digital Radio across Oxfordshire and online at getradio.co.uk. And our show introduces you to local trusted experts, whilst we also talk about topics that you, the listeners, tell us is impacting on local businesses and their owners. For copyright reasons, we cannot play the songs mentioned in the show. Uh, but for more info and business wrench related content, please do head over to getradio.co.uk. I definitely recommend it. Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. In this episode, all the way back from March 2021, we were joined by Catherine G. Cock of DBKT Coaching, Melanie Green of Inspire Transformation and Graham Hutchins, the COO of Profitability, to ask the question, how do people and teams impact the success of our business? Yeah, I really enjoyed this show. Look forward to sharing it again with the listeners because we have three great experts with us all sharing their expertise and knowledge to help all of our listeners to take something away and how they can build that into the success of their business. Get Radio. This is Get Radio and this is The Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Our first guest today is Catherine Geacock from DBKT Coaching. Welcome, Catherine. Hi, Ben. Thank you so much for having me on this morning. Thank you for coming. Um, so, Catherine, tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and your business. Okay. So, at DBKT Coaching, we're a team performance coaching practice where we work to elevate leaders and accelerate team performance. So, in terms of the sort of teams that you would work with, what would a typical client look like for you? So in terms of a typical client, what we do is we work with businesses to understand the challenges or the pains or the changes that you need to make. And um, we then co-create solutions with you. So those solutions could be a mix of one-to-one leadership, coaching, team coaching, action learning, knowledge input workshops, or some HR advice and support. So those teams could be intact teams that work together as teams. It could be leadership teams that are working together. But the most important thing is it's within the context of the business and the challenges that they're facing. Interesting. Um, and what's your background? How, how did you how did you come to own this business? So I have stepped off the corporate ladder after working for 15 years, pursuing a HR career. So I reached the top of my HR career to C-level, working in an executive management team within a space company. And I've always been very passionate about coaching. And I've decided with the changing world of work and the future changes that need to make, I could see an opportunity to work with many more businesses Mm. about how they can get ready for the future changes that COVID has accelerated. No, absolutely. Um, one of the things I see see a lot of um, is that the professionals are saying that we've almost moved forward 10 years in such a short period of time. In fact, have you seen that yourself? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, changes were needed to be made, but uh, they were so slow. But COVID has accelerated them almost overnight. So from my experience, our business went from, when, the, sorry, the organisation that I was working in, went from 150 people working in an open plan office to overnight being completely remote, dispersed across the whole of the UK. And that's really accelerated changes in terms of office spaces and leadership skills Mm. and the way that teams work together. No, absolutely. It's certainly a very different skill, isn't it? Managing a team remotely to, to in person. Absolutely. Absolutely. There needs to be way more time spent on connecting with people um, and getting to know individuals and taking that time rather than just focusing on the tactical. 
Perfect. Well, thank you so much for that, Catherine. Um, we really look forward to chatting to you later in the show in our roundtable discussion. But in the meantime, um, you have picked a song for, for the listeners today. Um, so tell the listeners what you've picked and why you've chosen it. Yes. Yeah, so I've chosen Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. And this is a very personal choice. This is to say thank you to my husband because this was our first dance at our wedding. And um, I wrote a blog for International Women's Day and I did a shout out to a whole bunch of people that had supported Um, my career and my husband was very sad that I didn't mention him so I thought we're children of the 80s we grew up listening to hearing our name shouted out on the radio so I thought what better than to dedicate this song to him and how he supported me This is the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Our second guest today is Melanie Green of Inspire Transformation. Welcome, Melanie. Good morning, Mike. Thanks for joining us this morning, Melanie. Um, Please, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. So um, I am an occupational psychologist and I work as a coach, trainer and workplace mediator. And I specialise in two main areas and helping individuals, teams, managers and businesses deal with conflict in the workplace and having those difficult conversations and how to work effectively together. And the other area that is very much linked to that is about our resilience, coping with the pressures, not just of work, but nowadays also outside of work as well. And so that we can be truly resilient and that will help us to work effectively together. Yeah, thanks, Melanie. Thanks for the introduction. I'm really looking forward to the conversation with you later uh, to explore that. But just some specific questions for yourself. Um, On your LinkedIn profile, you say that too many people are suffering from pressure and stress at work, resulting in them being unhappy and unproductive. Perhaps you can expand on that for us. Well, what we now understand about um, the neuroscience um, of us human beings is that um, we now understand that when we are under stress and pressure is that our brain does not work in an optimal way. Um, And therefore, it affects our productivity. We're just sat at a computer and we're working on whatever we're writing and working, um, making decisions, etc. But certainly when we are in meeting situations, whether that's online or in person, is that it affects our ability to communicate, our ability to take on ideas from other people. We go into the threat response as we become very um, uh, tunnel vision. And, um, and that's where you see people going head to head and not really listening to each other at all. So it has a profound impact on people's productivity and their effectiveness. Yeah, I want to build on that really because last year I attended one of your great workshops and uh, one area that we w- did explore was what you just mentioned, which was the neuroscience and revealing more about the brain and how simple techniques can improve that dampen down your uh, threat response and rewire your brain. So tell us a little bit more about the, the threat response then. What does that mean? So it is that kind of fight, flight and freeze, which was great when we were you know, cavemen and cavewomen but it's not effective when you're in the 21st century. And in fact, we make it even worse now. Is I was coaching somebody this morning and, um, and I, they were talking about their anxiety levels. Is I said, the problem is, is that as human beings, we can worry about the past and worry about the future, even though we might be perfectly safe now. And so learning very simple techniques that like I was talking this morning about coming into the here and now and quietening your brain down um, can greatly help to lower those anxiety levels. Yeah, and I, I certainly learned a lot uh, on my own techniques on, on that course, much appreciated. So you, you just mentioned about productivity and conflict in the workplace is a massive drain on productivity and you offer workplace mediation. So tell us more about how often that sort of plays out in the workplace. 
Well, the need for it plays out a lot <laughs> um, in terms of when I'm sort of brought in is that it's either um, people have gone through a grievance process or a disciplinary process. And usually they've kind of worked through it um, and they've come to a resolution, but the relationship is still sort of torn asunder and they haven't found a way of working effectively together. Um, and so that that's when I'm sort of I'm brought in. I've just finished. Um, um, a workplace mediation stroke joint coaching I do it slightly differently I bring coaching into the process as well and um, with um, uh, a manager a senior manager and then the manager below um, her and so it's helping them to find and they come up with a, a working contract about how they're going to work together um, again in the future. Great. Thanks, Melanie. And I'm really looking forward to tomorrow morning because tomorrow morning, um, my email will open with Melanie's Monday motivational messages. So uh, why did you start that weekly campaign? I've been writing a newsletter called a monthly newsletter called Inspire for a long time. And I love writing. Um, but it struck me talking to a lot of people is that sometimes that Monday morning is quite difficult. So I thought, why not write Melanie's Monday motivational messages Fantastic. just to get you off to a good start? And it certainly does. Thank you for that. So you've chose a song for us today also. Um, tell us a little bit more about your choice and what the song is. Um, it's London Calling by The Clash. Um, I do love The Clash, but um, it, this song, it reminds me of the 2020, sorry, 2012 Olympics. And that was just such a joyous year and summer. And every time I hear that song, it brings me back to um, that summer. So happy memories. The Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Get radio. This is Get Radio and this is The Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Our third guest today is Graham Hutchins, COO of Profitability. Welcome, Graham. Hi, Ben. Thanks for joining us this morning. So, Graham, tell us, tell the listeners a little bit more about you and, and your journey. Um, yeah, so I've been with Profitability for um, just every year, actually. So we are a training company that we seek to teach uh, normally teams in businesses how the company works. So stuff around commercial acumen, financial literacy, decision making. But we do that through the use of business simulations. And um, normally those up until March last year, they were all in the classroom using things like board games and um, very active uh, events. A week after I joined, obviously <laughs> lockdown happened and we couldn't deliver any of our stuff in the classroom. So over the last year, we've been converting our classroom courses into digital games, which has been really, really exciting. And before that, I have a background in uh, online media uh, and business consultancy. So it's been an exciting journey to get it to this point. Interesting. Um, we, we touched on this a little bit with Catherine um, earlier in the show in terms of that that transition from everybody being in person to being online. What what are the kind of key changes that you've seen? Well, I think the the one thing that's still a constant for me, even even now with the roadmap roadmap out of lockdown sort of coming to fruition, is still immense uncertainty and kind of just reconciling with yourself that that's okay not to know about stuff. And I think we all have that panic in the middle of the night, like oh, I need that sense of control. Um, and you feel responsible for people's salaries and everything. Um, but this one, if 
if I've learned one thing over the last year, it's like you're kind of never as bad as you think you are. You're never as good as you think you are. Mm. And it's that sense of perspective has been really important um, because, you know, there's been so many times even last year where we, you know, we sorted out the office for kind of <laughs> coming back to the office and then it didn't mm. happen and a new phase of working from home and everything. So it's basically qualifying all your plans and thoughts with like, this might not happen and it's okay if it doesn't happen. We can, we're all just trying our best. Mm. No, interesting. Moving away from your business and, and focusing on your clients, what, what sort of businesses do you, do you work with? What, what would a typical client look like? Well, traditionally, the business has worked with like really big clients like Nestle and Siemens and Roche, and we still work with them. Um, and we we tend to support the big kind of established learning and development programs that these companies have. Uh, but interestingly, over the last year, we've found that some of those big companies have been less agile, less willing to kind of uh, move online um, compared to more technology or scale-ups or fast-growing fast companies. So actually, our, our kind of growth market has shifted away from those big traditional companies where we're still you know, delighted to serve them. Um, but they probably know us more from for sort of traditional classroom training, and we think we're starting to get bookings for that again. Uh, right. But where real growth efforts are focused are on those you know new smaller businesses, technology uh, sectors um, who can probably move a bit quicker and buy learning and training in a different way from the big markets. Mm. I think there's a lot of stats out there, isn't there, in terms of the businesses that really invest in learning and training and development of their staff tend to retain staff for, for longer. And, and it's probably something that Melanie and Catherine will be interested to talk about in the round table. But, but what, what have you seen with, with some of your clients that have really kind of supported their staff? Well, I think back to my earlier point about uncertainty is there's a big thing around kind of a learning organization is a, is a successful organization. And, and that goes right down to like an individual manager. If you're curious enough to learn about the world, then you'll always have fit for your skills mm. because you'll be able to have an open mindset. And where you see a lot of, lot of businesses failing is where the management have just <laughs> pretended that the outside world doesn't exist. Um, and I think the tradition, the big, these big companies that I've mentioned, like they often, because they're so big and they've had to have such structured ways of doing things, they haven't been able to move, move as fast. One of the things I think they can learn from the smaller companies is that people's progression up through a company, like through promotional tiers and things, doesn't have to be laid out like um, in some formulaic way. The way that like newer companies present learning development to their to their employees is they offer like a range of things and they say right pick whatever you want and they can mm. find their own career path um, and I think that's much more appealing to the new workforces coming into the into the job market um, it's much more learner centric. No, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Thank you, Graham. Um, so Graham, I really want to, to continue with this conversation um, and let, let's bring our other two guests in um, shortly. But, but in the meantime, you have picked a song this morning. Um, so tell the listeners about your song choice and, and why you why you picked it. Well, partly it's about seven and a half minutes long. So I don't know if you're going to play the full version, but it means that you might have more time listening to this guy and less time listening to me. The song is Basil, uh, Sunscreen by Baz Luhrmann, um, which some people love, some people hate. But um, I don't have many things in my life that I kind of always like lean back on, but um, I think the messages in this song are like, they just mean a lot to me. And there's a lot about keeping perspective and 
um, living in the moment and I haven't heard it for ages, so it'd be good to be reminded of it. This is the Business Brunch Podcast from Get Radio. This is the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Our show aims to share the knowledge, experience and expertise of our guests whilst also discussing topical issues impacting local businesses. And today we're discussing how people and teams impact the success of our business. For this part of the show, we welcome back our three guests for the roundtable discussion. A reminder that we have Catherine Geecock of DBKT Coaching, Melanie Green of Inspire Transformation, and Graham Hatchin, COO of Profitability. To kick off our discussion, um, can I ask you, Catherine, from your experience, how do people and teams impact our business? Yeah, so this is a really interesting question, Ben, because there's some recent research that shows that organisations that have more than 100 employees rely 86% of their time on teams to deliver for their business. Mm. But only 20% of teams actually unlock or deliver their full potential. And the majority of investment that's made into people in their learning and development journey is in individuals. So there's a lack of investment in teams as a whole. So what that picture is showing is actually most organisations rely on their teams to deliver for them, but actually very few teams release their full potential and we don't invest in them fully. And with the world that we're living in at the moment, it's so volatile, it's so fast paced, it's so complex. Gone are the days of relying on a single expert to be able to have all the information, to be able to make all the decisions. So actually having a team and that team being able to work really well together with their diverse viewpoints, with um, having an input in decisions, they're actually able to make more innovative solutions, better decision making. And actually, it's all not just resting on one person to have all the answers, which is just not sustainable at the moment. That's a really great um, place to sort of start this conversation. And Melin, I want to bring you in really as as a chartered occupational psychologist. How does psychology impact on how our teams work together? So I think... In terms of what Catherine was saying is that, um, so I work sometimes training individuals in groups or or one-to-one, but I often work with teams over a period of time. And I think that in terms of the psychology there, it's one is helping people to understand themselves better, but in a team context rather than, as Catherine was saying, just training them, coaching them individually. Um, But understanding each other and where the clashes happen is that, you know, you want different personalities in a team because they each bring different qualities. But it's about how to get the best out of those um, differences. And it's where those differences are is where you start to rub each other up. But if you understand yourself and you understand other people and you know how to deal with those irritations so that you can have adult to adult conversations and get the best out of each other. So um, it kind of bringing psychology in, but in a very practical way is I always start and I'm sure um, Catherine and Graham do as well is looking at, okay, what issues have you got and working from there and what do you want to achieve and working from there. And then giving the input that's going to be appropriate to help them to move from where they are now to where they want to be. That's a really interesting point, actually, um, Menly. Focusing on where they want to be and really to kind of bring yourself into the conversation, Graham. Are there kind of consistent traits that you see in a high performing team or let's say the finished article in inverted commas? I think the, um, yeah, as Menly alluded to there, I think we... A, a, a self-aware team, so a team who are full of self-aware individuals is like to be high performing. 
there are obviously exercises that you can do to like assess that. Um, but if, 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 if as an individual, you are aware of the impact that you are having on other people and perhaps potentially more important, how to manage yourself to get your best out, to get the best out of yourself, um, you'd like to be a contributor, uh, a good contributor to, to a good team. I think the thing over this last 12 months sort of internally that struck me in this, in this area has been across our team internally has been just the amount of non-work influences that you have to be aware of on that affect people at different levels, at different, you know, different times across the team. And I think a manager or a company that's not aware of that, that thinks that people just come to work and they're just in work mode, um, are really going to struggle. Um, and likewise, kind of thinking more about up with our client teams that we see that we work with, companies still do often do a relatively poor job of explaining to their teams what they're actually meant to be doing, what the objectives are how they are doing feedback. And so I think as a, a high-performing team would be one that is full of self-aware, made up of self-aware people that as a unit is aligned around what they're actually meant to be doing, what good looks like, um, because everybody comes to work wanting to do a good job. Normally bad performance happens either where something outside of work is going wrong or where they don't really, they're not really aligned with what's, what, what's happening. That's actually yeah. a really oh. interesting. Sorry, go, go ahead, Catherine. Sorry, Sorry I spoke over you. <laughs> so just to really build on that, that, Graham, I think what I've seen with working with teams is that psychological safety. And this is uh, came from a piece of research that um, Amy Edmondson did in the USA with healthcare teams and that Google in their research have found as being one of the key fundamental aspects of a high performing team. And it's that psychological safety. So it's that team having that safety and that ability to say, actually, this this has just happened to me in terms of my, my child at homeschooling or, or issues that they're facing. And this is why I haven't been able to particularly do this piece of work today. Or, you know, I'm actually really struggling today with, with my mental health and some of the uncertainties that I'm experiencing. And, and being able to have that safety within a team to say, I've made a mistake, I've dropped the ball, or I'm just not feeling it today because of this stuff that's also happening to me. That's where the magic starts to happen with teams unlocking their potential and being really high performing. It's a re- really interesting point. So I I run a small recruitment business um, and a real, real example within my business is I have um, Aoife who works for me and she's brilliant at her job. And for a period of time, I could just feel that there was just something she was concerned about. And we had a straight conversation um, and she said, my, my big concern is that my boyfriend that I've been with since I was a very young teenager plays professional football He's just potentially about to sign for a club that's that's a million miles away. Well, Sunderland. Um, and and as part of that, she loved her job. She she really enjoyed working for Thompson and Terry, but she was really concerned that actually she wanted to live with her partner. And and by just saying, look, let's do remote working, we'll make it work, you're really valuable to us. Instantly a smile was back on her face, and instantly she was focusing on her career again. And since she's just been promoted. So I can really see on kind of a small business level, but also a large business level, how important that whole person is, as opposed to just the person who's doing the job. Yeah, and Graham, Graham made a, a really interesting point that you, looking around the table, you were all nodding at. And Melanie, if we can come over to yourself in terms of the point made was that we, we're not great at explaining to our people what's actually expected of them. Um, do you want to sort of like ex- expand on that from your experience? I think that... Um that people are often told about their kind of the KPIs and the kind of vision, but it's it's not it's not discussed in a, a, 
in a in an adult to adult way about what the realities are day to day. And I think that's where it kind of gets lost. And um, I, I'm talking with an associate about, say, in terms of values and, um, and then making kind of values stick is that, you know, organizations often say we've got this mission statement, we've got these values, but they don't actually have discussions about day to day. What does this mean in terms of our behavior? Um, and, and I think it's also is that helping people day to day to understand about what the, those goals are that they're working towards. And it's interesting because um, Catherine and Graham are also talking about to one is it sounds like more kind of office based teams and and perhaps new organizations. Quite a few of my um, clients are also um, manufacturing businesses and very well established. So you've got often established teams who sometimes it's particularly because they're smaller organizations. They've been there. People have been there forever. Um, and that throws up a whole new challenge, particularly as. Know, um, as Graham and Catherine were saying, is that think organizations are having to change, not just because of the pandemic, um, but the other changes that are happening in the world. And, um, and trying to help people to, who've been in the same job and doing the same thing for a long time is very, very challenging. And, uh, and, and for the managers to change their mindset as well. Really interesting point. Um, Melanie, there you alluded to a little bit about kind of underperformance. Um, so, so Graham, I, I'm going to bring this into kind of a commercial world. So, so I know that um, when we first met, actually, you you were managing sales teams. What what's your approach where where a salesperson isn't hitting targets and uh, an underperformance? What what can be done? Uh, I think it's leaning back on the two things we've we've already discussed. It's like establishing. I mean. First of all, I, I would say that people don't want to do a bad job on purpose. And I, that sounds dead simple, but you see it in all the time that managers or leaders assume that the person's not forming because they're trying to deliberately undermine their efforts or they, they don't, the, the, it, you know, somehow it's intentional. So um, it really, the first thing I would do with somebody not performing is, is checking in, are you okay? Like how are things like non-work related and hopefully you've built a decent relationship to the extent that they're willing to um, to voice that back to, back to Catherine's point. Um, and um, and then, you know, if it normally, uh, well, a lot of the times in my experience, the reasons for poor performance will actually be non-work related. There'll be something that is like, um, you know, not quite working out. Uh, either their health or, or financial well-being or or something at home, um, and then if you know clearly if you cross that hurdle, then you're you're more into explaining what reiterating what's actually expected of them. And as the discussion has, has shown already, that's often done very superficially. Often, like when people are inducted into a role, there's a kind of whistle stops tour. This is generally the kind of what you're supposed to be doing, where the person is not in the headspace to actually understand that. They're all like, what the hell? Like, what? What? And they'll just say yes, because they don't want to look like an idiot. Um, so reiterating exactly how to go about stuff, maybe connecting them with a mentor or, um, you know, some coaching to to, to really invest in, in in helping turn that performance around, as well as setting resetting very clear, clear goals and expectations. You know, you, you need to invest quite a lot of time in someone who's not performing well to really work out, is it like, uh, is it us or me as the leader or manager? Is it the role that they're in? Uh, is it the environment? Um, because 
if a person not performing for a substantial length of time, they're probably not enjoying it either, okay? And they probably need to be either redeployed elsewhere in the organization, ideally, or be helped to be managed out of the organization. And normally, I'm sure we've all been there, when you're dreading, you know, a redundancy conversation or something like that, you find that <laughs> the person is like, oh my God, I'm actually quite relieved that you've done that because they often don't know how to broach that topic themselves. So, um, but I would definitely start off with kind of, are you okay? Like, and they'll get the message from there. Thank you all for your thoughts so far. We will continue this conversation with our three guests after this. Interviewing Oxfordshire's business leaders. This is the Business Brunch Podcast, sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. This is the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Before that song, we were talking about teams and really about the management of teams, high performance teams, and actually when things aren't going quite as well. So I'm just going to bring the conversation across to yourself, Catherine. Before the break, Graham was very much talking about a sales team that, that could be underperforming or a salesperson. Bringing it across to you from a HR standpoint, what, what would be your kind of position on this? So from my experience, the most effective way of addressing performance is through the conversation. So it's exactly what Graham was saying. If you can have open two-way conversation, have the skill to be able to give great quality feedback, but for that feedback to be two-way so that there's a conversation about what is actually happening here, that's the single most effective way of improving performance and co-creating together, okay, what does it need to look like going forward? So it's not done to someone, it's part of a two-way conversation about how to make that improvement. And and that's the best way to have that conversation. And if you can facilitate that openness and honesty with somebody, if there's other stuff that's going on outside of their life, if actually they're just starting to have have some questions around where their career is going and what their job is, that opens up an open an honest dialogue around what are the most effective next steps. Obviously, from a HR perspective, there are all sorts of policies that you can apply, but I just don't think that they are effective in actually bringing about performance improvement. It's about great quality feedback listening and having a great conversation. Yeah, more great points. Thank you, Catherine. And Melanie, Graham sort of touched on that nobody really wants to do a bad job. And I think that sort of tends to build up stress in people. And one of the things you do is um, help people with their stress management. Tell us a little bit more about stress and how that impacts on performance. Well, and, and as I was listening to Catherine, I wanted to grab this that I often talk about, to talk about people's emotional temperature. Because um, what I'm seeing is that in the workplace, all the workplaces I'm being brought into is that for managers, it's often that they're under so much pressure um, and they're firefighting the whole time. And they're into a real cycle of, um, I'm so busy, I don't have busy time to coach. I'll just tell people that they keep on coming back to me and I keep on getting busier and busier, not actually doing what I need to do. So I think, you know, it does start with, now, as Catherine said about that great feedback and coaching, the problem is, is that the, the managers need to change something within them, first of all, to be able to um, have the mindset and understanding um, that it will save them time in the, in, in the long term if they start a, a coaching approach. And um, so often is that I'm brought in and managers are saying, 
what what do I do, you know, do something with this individual? And I say, well, let's look at this relationship first of all, is what do you need to change in order to help the individual change um, and change that interaction? And I often, I get managers who either they get very fiery when things go wrong with their staff or they want to run away. And actually both of them need to control their, um, manage their emotions in order to have um, the confidence to have very calm and rational discussions and then do what Catherine um, was talking about. Yeah, Melanie, I just just to add to that point, I think that goes to what the, the leadership changes are that need to happen for this future world of work. So very much leaders have tr- typically and traditionally operated from an expert power base. So I need to have all the answers. I need to tell you everything what to do. And when something goes wrong, I need to be the hero that comes in and saves the day and rescues everything. That model is really outdated and it doesn't drive high performance. The leader who is open to asking questions of their team, listening to other people is able to coach, is able to give feedback, is really going to create that, that high performance within the team. But there's a there's a mindset shift, right? Because as you were talking, Melanie, you know, there, there are people that have been highly successful in their roles for the last sort of decade. And they need to have that mindset shift change to recognize actually a, a new type of leadership style is, is needed to drive performance, particularly with the new workforce that's, that's, that's coming in from the newer generations. Yeah. And, and Graham was saying earlier on about teams being self-aware. If you have self-aware teams, then they can make the changes in order to perform well. And it is the same with managers. It's, you know, people's emotional intelligence it is absolutely vital in today's world. And um, and I think, you know, too often they're, they're relying on their technical expertise, as you were saying, rather than their emotional intelligence to find a way forward. Graham, um, Catherine's just mentioned the changing world of work, and I know she's very passionate about that topic. Um, well, we might get back to Catherine in a moment, but my question for yourself is, you know, how, how are you seeing the changing world of work and you know, what sort of tools are managers going to need to look after their people and teams in the future? I think the that was a really interesting um, point Melanie Cousin just made. I think the the last twelve months has placed real pressures on everybody, as, as we already said. And and if you can't, if you don't have you know sound emotional control, you can find yourself getting bent out of shape pretty easily, and you start to end, have impacts on people that you didn't actually intend. Like I moved house over the last year. Like I've had a second daughter. We've got two daughters here under two years old. Um, there's been some really stressful times for me personally. <laughs> And, and then you combine that with like trying to manage a small business through this, which whose revenue dried up in March. And like it was some really been some really stressful points. And you have to be really careful to know how am I showing up today? Like even, you know, on Zoom, like what is my impact going to be on people? Um, am I approaching this, this stuff rationally? So I think the changing world of work has only accelerated those things that Catherine mentioned around the, the new brand of leadership has to be vulnerable, willing to, you know, humility lots of humility um feedback is central to that but it's not just giving feedback it's having the humility to ask for feedback um, and once that two-way street is established it will completely reorientate the way that this whole i really don't like this idea of kind of leader and team type thing i think just think leader is a, a role within a team that lots of people can play um i read an amazing paper over christmas which is not new by frederick Lou around um organizations called reinventing organizations and it's, it's just advocating a much more 
looking at organizations in a much more natural way and, and thinking about them as natural organisms, which sounds a bit kind of, you know, um, new age, but um, I would really urge people who, who are kind of a bit dispirited by the way that companies are structured and the hierarchical kind of um, setup of them to read them because it, read it because it, it lays out a new way that companies don't have to operate like they always have been. It's a really good point, actually, Graham. Um, just bring it, almost moving the conversation sideways as such. Um, I know that a lot of the listeners um, today will be running micro businesses. And one of the things I think is reported a lot is around the leader at the very top of the pyramid. So the person that can be quite lonely um, and the person that almost has nobody managing them and, and, and they're kind of managing down. Let's let's start with yourself, Catherine. What, what advice would you give to a owner or a manager at, at that top of the pyramid that almost has nobody managing them? Yeah, so this is a really interesting one, particularly if somebody's setting up um, a new business or running a micro business. Uh, my advice to them would probably be don't view yourself as the top of a pyramid. View yourself as part of an integrated team where you've each got, you know, there might be a small number of you where you've, you know, each got different roles one of those roles might be more strategic or, or running the, the overview of the business, but you're part of the team all working together to contribute to deliver your purpose. So it's about how can you be part of that smaller team and work together and, and you know, feel okay to ask questions if you don't necessarily know the answer to stuff. Um, be able to ask other people for their thoughts and ideas to help inform that decision making or if if you don't have any other employees if it's just you on your own you know looking out to to other leaders that are running those those types of businesses and being willing to open yourself up to asking questions and understanding other people's experiences Great. And that brings me nicely, Melanie, actually, to uh, a question I did really want to ask you today, which is about your first book, um, which was entitled Master Your Inner Critic, Release Your Inner Wisdom. Yeah, thank you for holding that up on the radio. But uh, just tell us a little bit more about um, how that impacts on people. Because I I think, you know, leaders or managers, the inner critic, am I doing this as as well as I could do, is a huge impact on people. It it is. Uh, And and it's... Amazing. I, I, so I, I've been running my business for 30 years and, and I've coached many successful people um, and, um, and I kind of get to see what's inside their head. And I think that, you know, they may project a lot of confidence and, and control, etc. But if there is that inner critic and that nagging doubt that's going on is they don't get to enjoy their success um, and, uh, and it can cause a lot of un- unnecessary anxiety and unhappiness and dissatisfaction. Um, but I think also taken to extreme is, and this again comes to the emotional intelligence, if you're not mastering your inner critic and mastering your mind, is it tends to then leak out in your communication. And people who often have a, long, a strong inner critic can have a strong outer critic. And, um, and then you get into really unproductive um, uh, communication patterns. And you're not going to get the best out of people. So it all starts whether you are a business that's just yourself or you're a multinational business that you're running is that you have to work on yourself first of all. And um, because you have a huge impact on the rest of the organization and you set in a large organization, you set the culture because you are then it's what you're um, you're modeling for others, but also are you 
are you pressing down onto the organization stress and pressure or you know happiness and satisfaction and goodwill and kindness a really really um interesting conversation here um However, that is the end of the show, which which I'm really disappointed by because you three have been so interesting and I could quite honestly go on for two hours, as I'm sure the listeners could. Um, but thank you so much um, to our guests today on The Business Brunch on Get Radio with Ben and Mike. Um, today, we've had Catherine Geacock of DBKT Coaching, Melanie Green of Inspire Transformation and Graham Hutchins, COO of Profitability.